you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Sometimes there's something called a curfew in these buildings, and if you go over the curfew, there's a fine. Uh, so there's, there's a penalty, and it sometimes can be a, a lot of money, but... Uh, But the reason that I'm able to stand here and take my time is that we just talked about it in the back and Mike McCready's gonna play, pay the fine tonight. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the jump. definitive live Pearl Jam podcast and all this month if you've been tuning in last week we did Leeds 2014 we have been paying homage to the brand new deep bootleg collection on Pearl Jam's website so every week in the next couple weeks we will be doing a different year that they have available on bootleg and last week was the only one from 2014 that we did Leeds and we had to do that because that's a spectacular show and 2003 is this week, and this is also a spectacular show from Buffalo, near the end of the tour, and we have a great guest that we're going to introduce here. Eh, how about right now? Randy Sobel over here, John Farr over there. Hello? John, you are going to be sandwiched in between two Randys. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll see how it goes. There's one American. Ask Ask me again at the end. There's one American, Randy. And then there's yeah. a Canadian Randy. So, I, like, if, if we want to make What's, the I'm, distinction. I'm the 54th parallel or something. Some 49th odd, parallel. Right. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever you yeah. want to call it. But uh, there will be two of us, and that rarely happens. And, you know, it's actually funny. There was a point where I used to work with a group of people, and there ended up being three Randys in that group. Now that I I remember that, and that was very awkward, and I was I was like the third of the three, the third most important. So I definitely either wasn't being called Randy or they weren't addressing me whenever they said my name. But um, maybe that's the case today because the Randy that we're going to bring on here is Randy Morgan. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Cannons Twelve. 
I beat him to it. <laughs> He'll, he was going to say it in two seconds. And he's, like I mentioned, he's Canadian. You're from Toronto, Randy. And yet, well, welcome to the show. Yet you pick a Buffalo show and a spectacular one. I, I totally get why you picked it. But how come no Toronto love here? Well, yeah, this show was uh, was a special one for me. I grew up in Toronto, but I also grew up a, a Buffalo Sabres fan. Oh, so, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, and so for years, um, in my teenage years and in my early 20s, I would go down to Buffalo and check out games. My brother and I most famously going down once to see the, uh, the Sabres and Islanders and getting hauled into customs, not arriving until oh. the second period. Of course, the whole time I'm thinking they must be hauling me in. It must be something to do with me. And and it was my brother. Uh, something that happened in Halifax. No big deal. Something that's very legal now in Canada. But uh, they wanted to talk to him. And so it, they ended up holding us there for, you know, an extra couple of hours. But uh, we got to the game. And, and that, was, that was actually a couple of years before this show. So when we were going down to this show, and I was with my brother, and my buddy Joel, uh, we went early. <laughs> we made sure we had plenty of time before to cross the border. That's funny. Yeah. How how far? I don't even know. Actually, maybe I do. It's about like an hour and a half, two hours, right, from Buffalo. Yeah, to yeah, and with Not the bad. border crossing, depending on how long that takes. But yeah, about a, an hour and a half uh, to two, if you're, you know, depending on traffic. Sure. And right now, like you're kind of, we, we can't forget that Canada is still kind of dealing with the brunt of the pandemic. So I just wanted to mention that and, and say like, I hope you're being safe and I hope everything is going well up there. And uh, we're thinking about the, the people in Canada. It must really hurt that we're kind of starting to talk about shows now and we're start, starting to talk about Ohana and see here now and, and you guys aren't able to leave the country and nothing's going on yet so uh, you know we're we're thinking about you guys and and that that really sucks that that you guys haven't gotten to the to the point that we are no for sure it's um we are being vaccinated i am actually one vaccination in and great um and that is happening but here in toronto we are locked down right now and hoping maybe that lifts sometime in june but uh who knows what the future holds no well, speculation here. Look, they, you know, if if they got to start the tour the way that they were going to start the tour, you would hope that, you know, they're going to make that Canada run to begin with and, and go through Toronto and, and Quebec and, and those other places. So hopefully by then you got the stronghold and, and, and you can get it. But let's let's uh let's get back to this here. Let's get back to Buffalo. 2003 this is a pretty big tour did you have any other was this the only one that you were doing were you doing other shows in 2003 so quick um history here uh i saw pearl jam three times in the 90s once in 93 in 96 in 98 and then i happened to be backpacking europe in 2000 and literally stumbled upon their tour over there Hmm. with my buddy joel and we got to see them twice in spain uh, in Barcelona and San Sebastian mm-hmm. at a time when they were not uh, on everyone's radar the same way they were in the nineties. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this show is the first chance that they, that we have anywhere close to Toronto to see them again after seeing them uh, during that 2000 binaural tour. So I get four tickets just 
for this show because I want to go. I called Joel. He's in. Uh, my brother. Yep. And guys, we couldn't find a fourth person to go with us. Oh, my. Wow. Because at the time, yeah. right, it's it's 03. This riot act has just come out. Uh, what is it like November of 02? Um, and it's a real it's kind of a political album, but they're not really on the landscape the same way they were, you know, certainly five or 10 years before. Um, so we go down with four kind of rotten tickets up in the 300 levels and literally pull up at the stadium. I'm driving. I look at the guys. I'm like, I'll be right back. I hop out and take 10 steps and meet like the biggest, widest man I have ever seen. He looks down at me and, and says, what do you want? I said, I said, man, I got these four tickets. What can you do for me? There's three of us. Can you give me the best three tickets you have? He goes, I don't have floor tickets. I said, okay, what do you, what do you got? He goes, but these, these are pretty good. He goes, give me a hundred dollars plus your tickets and you can have these three. So I have a quick look. I take them and we make the exchange and we're in. And when we get there, we basically walk down into the first row of the grandstand right next to the stage where Mike is standing. We're on Mike's side. And because we're on the grandstand, we're elevated from the stage, but we're or from the, the floor, but we're even with, with the stage. So you kind of feel like you're standing there next to all the guys. Yeah. You know what? I, I actually kind of remember that. I know that they fixed up. I, I don't remember the, the first Niagara center, HBSC, whatever right. you call it. They've yeah. changed their name. A thousand Marine Midland, maybe at the time. You know? uh, the, <laughs> when I, I think it was H, HSBC. HSBC at that point. Yeah, yeah. 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 When I went in 2013, I think it was HSBC or first Niagara. Oh, I, I can't, sure. yeah. I can't remember, but I, I was sort of sitting like kind of in the back. And I remember I was pretty level with the stage. Right. I kind of remember that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was trying to paint the picture of what you were saying and, and where you were. But now I, I, I fully, fully get your perspective here. Right. And we are in the first three seats, basically, you know, if the stage is due north, south of the stage. So it just feels like we're standing there next to the speaker and there's Mike. And across the line, there's Eddie and Stone, you know, uh, booms up there in the back right corner. And... And we're just, yeah, we're in awe. That's how we got in there and how we got to these seats. That's, that's where we are. I mean, that's fantastic. Like how, you know, how many times have you heard stories about people selling and, and, and working out deals with scalpers and it completely not working out, whether being not even being able to get in, in the building or just getting yeah, counterfeit tickets. And, right. Yeah. So you, you made out and not only that, but I mean, there, there's a great story from this. There's a reason why we're doing this show today uh, and <laughs> we'll get to and it at some point. Seats played every bit a role in that story. Right. Right. So why don't we, uh, I think this is a good opportunity. You know, obviously this is the end of the riot act tour, the first uh, leg of the riot act tour in the U S and it was just a pretty interesting time. This is coming off of the Nassau Coliseum show, which we all know was, we did that a while back, but we all know that was pretty controversial and you know, they're coming off of that, but it seems like, 
they're not taking that energy. It seems like they're in such a good mood and all they're thinking about is we got two more on this leg. Let's make the best of them. And obviously the day after this is State College. And that's widely considered one of the best of 2003. So they are in a good little groove at this point and there's some points i'm going to make during this show that that are extremely important that kind of connect to that so i don't know if i'm teasing anything but we'll we'll see where it comes from john do you have anything to add to that yeah it's just this show is kind of like the 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 unsung kind of middle child in this little run here because everyone knows nassau and uniondale and everyone knows state college but this is this is this is gonna. I think it's gonna hold its weight. It's gonna stand up right there. But the big thing for me, and I, we didn't talk about this last week either. I mean, we we hardly ever do. But the poster, I think, for for leads that we did last week was amazing, and this one's great as well. I think coming, you gotta if you're gonna talk about Uniondale and coming off of that, you gotta talk about this poster a little bit. Is okay, and I don't have it up or anything like that. Is this poster the one where they're silencing the Statue of yes. Liberty? That's yes, a very good is. poster, and that's yeah. the same one. That they use for Nassau, I believe it, and they just changed the date. Yeah. So, is that? Do you own? Do you own this poster, Randy? I knew you were going to ask that. And then, <laughs> no, I'm embarrassed to say I don't. My poster, no, collecting, my yeah. poster collecting started later. I must admit. All right. Uh, before the actual set list, Ed comes out. I, I don't know if it's before Sparta played or after Sparta played. Sparta's the opener. Uh, but do you remember this? He comes on stage, does a little solo. Thanks, everybody, for being there. Does uh, You got to hide your love away. Were you there uh, in, in your seat when, when he came out? Yeah, uh, we were there. Uh, came out. Uh, uh, you know, it's probably not even a third full, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lights are all on. It's a nice little moment. He he plays the tune. There's not a lot of big chatter or anything, and <laughs> and off he goes. And we're like, yeah, like we're we're so fired up at that point. I think I, I think then Sparta came on, and we might have headed in for some some drinks. Some <laughs> all right, so set list time. This, look, we're gonna start off with like five dream songs for hopefully anybody but for for me they they are dream songs to get them all in a row let the show begin start with love boat captain is this just it's gone forgotten place First comes love and then comes pain Let the games begin Questions arise and answers fall Insurmountable Love bone captain time they were just starting to implement this a little bit more as the opener 
it really probably didn't get kind of ingrained into people's heads that it could be the opener until the Live at the Garden DVD came out. So they come out, they, you know, you hear the, the kind of the drone from uh, the B3 here, and what's your, the anticipation, and how does that all lead into just getting into the show here? So, like, like I'm a fan, right? So I, I, like, I know the song as soon as I hear the chord. I'm, you know, I'm on it. Um, but I guess because I'm there with my buddy Joel and we had been in Europe in 2000, right? Uh, our last show there was the 26th of May. And then, uh, and then Ross Guild happens just the end of like a month later. Uh, I had just gotten out of Europe at that point and so to hear this one to me it really it connected me to the show right away and took me kind of right back to a place and a time where that was really special for us like there was a lot of freedom that was going on there we were like 25 years old you know had the world kind of by the balls so um love boat cabin was kind of perfect and of course boom is new right at that point that's us he's we've never seen a keyboard player with that before so yeah, really interesting start. And I, I will piggyback of, off of what I was saying. They were playing it a lot, obviously, in 2003, but this is only the sixth time that they opened with it. And surprisingly enough, this has only been opened with 12 times. So it's not very often, and not since 2005 that they've even done it. So you're really, yeah, and especially because probably because of Live at the Garden, you think of it as being one of the perennial openers in kind of the pantheon of, of Long Road and, and release and wash and hard to imagine some of those other songs, but not 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 very often. Yeah, it's, it doesn't happen often, but it's, I mean, this might be, yeah, and you mentioned all those all those ones that we've come to know and love as starting off a show, and there's, there's other ones too that have been fantastic, but this might be my favorite opener that they do period like i i love this so much like i love the the way it kind of guides you into the show i love the hearing hearing boom right from the start it just sets such a tone for the show and we talk about all the different openers that do but this one might be my absolute favorite way to open up a show and i i hope we haven't heard the last of it yeah i look i I think it's one of those it fits the era so well and obviously I'm going to mention it for the third time, Live at the Garden. How else are you going to get into that show and really kind of make an impact in your brain that, like, that let the show begin line? When that comes up, you're like, oh, this is a goosebump-inducing moment. Even when they don't say it, in this version, he doesn't say it, but it's still, like, you're bringing that, you know, slow build kind of aspect, but it still has some emotion to it in the same way that maybe a release does or a long road does, except maybe this one ramps up a little bit more. You get a guitar solo, fantastic mic solo in this, and it's awesome. I think you're right. I think it is one of the best openers they have, and um, unfortunately, it's whenever they do play it, which is not very often in the last handful of years, it's usually mid-set where... Thankfully, they can kind of mix in a little, a little bit of the the jam session that they do in the beginning and kind of extend it a little bit that they've been doing lately. But uh, would be nice to get it back. Did you guys think that the little he he throws in that little line like, "Am I allowed to say you know love?" Was that a reference to to Uniondale to Nassau? Was he kind of still in the mood of like, 
hey, I'm I'm being censored here. Is he, I, is he trying to like to troll that a little bit? You think? I have a. F- I, there are a couple things that I thought that's an extension of Nassau in this show, so I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and for me, truth, we're at the show. We don't know about Uniondale. We don't really. Have, we don't have any perspective of that at that point. No, mm. I mean it's two days later. We weren't yeah. on the tour. We just come in from Toronto to see you know see Pearl Jam for the first time in you know two and a half years. Nothing so, on the forums or anything like that. I just wasn't on them at that point, my friend. Like wow. it, it, that's not a time. I don't think when we have a smartphone, right? No. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> they're flip phones, Nokia's. Yeah, right. Nothing. It's uh, so we didn't have that type of uh, perspective on it at the time. So I would love to hear your perspective on this. If they're referencing that show, I you know, bring it on, please. Yeah, I think there are a few times in this that that are kind of little little nods to, hey, should we should we be playing this or like uh, I think at one point he says you're booing us and we've been hearing a lot of that lately. I think that yeah. was during Soon Forget, so we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to talking about that. But these next four all in a row are, are just dream songs. Brain of Jay into Hell Hail into Save You into Corduroy, and there's so many little things about this section that sound fantastic. You could talk about Matt just being a machine gun on Brandon J. talk about how in hell hell uh stone kind of has this little extended solo near the end of it that was fantastic Talk about Save You and the vicious, fierce vocals on it. talk about corduroy and stone again kind of adding in a little bit of a reverby melodic effect in the bridge
lot of things that are going on here, a lot of different things with these versions. What, what of all this kind of stands out to you, Randy? Yeah, so uh, I talked to my brother uh, just today, and, and we had another chat yesterday, but today he was like, he was like, if you're going to talk about one thing, man, you got to talk about Brain of Jay. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he's like, it just ripped up, and he was like, the moment that took hold, he was in the show, we were in it, um, we all kind of dabbled around playing music together. Uh, Jules, a drummer, and um, Ryan and I did a little singing back in the day. And and Hail Hail was a song that we would always try to cover in our band. Um, so Brain of Jay, bang, we're in it, and then boom, Hail Hail, a song that we all love and know so well. It was, yeah, man, it was special. We, I think we've got to talk about Mr. Stone Gossard on this. I, yes. There are no words to describe that this is this is a stone show for me. And you, you mentioned there's there's a lot of different ones, but I can't I keep going back to stone and just watching. He was he was on another level here and you can see it right from the beginning. Brain of Jay, Stone takes a solo right away. Hail Hail, Stone again, Stone again on Save You, again on Corduroy. Like when he's on, it elevates everyone in the band. And like I'm, I'm with you, like Randy, this is this is a perfect way to open a song these five songs like it could not be better yeah i i was absolutely floored the first time that i listened to it. this it just sets a perfect tone for this night in a couple of songs he's gonna address the crowd and say it's the second to last night in the tour and that's the show that you really want to be at and that's the way to start the second to last night of the tour hands down bar none yeah, you can do that in 2003. You can do that in 2021. It'll still work. It'll still be perfect. Fantastic. Love it. Give it to me every time. And and even after that, you would think that, you know, there would be a moment to kind of cool down a little bit and maybe address the crowd after here. Nope. they keep going. They continue. And it's going to be elderly woman. And I got shit. And from really early in elderly woman, this is going to be a, a good example of this now is how good this bootleg is and how good you can hear almost individual voices in this bootleg. And there's a song later that that's going to come up where it's really prominent, but elderly woman, you have that too. So the vocals here from the crowd, wow, they're fantastic. So that's one of my favorite things about elderly woman is just taking a second and looking, especially in an arena, and looking at the crowd and seeing everybody sing at the same time and sort of feeling that. Did you feel that? Oh man. Well, after these first five songs, and then, and then it's elderly woman. We all get a sing along. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It was perfect. Um, really felt like it. It kind of bonded us all in. And then just to to run into to I got shit. Um, being a, a Toronto boy in Southern Ontario, and we know that that song was written yeah. really young. Um, that's a song that we we get a lot. Like we get it in Toronto almost every time they're through. Uh, Buffalo gets it almost every time they're through. 2013, they got it. You're yeah, absolutely right. I was there with the story brother. from it. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's always special because you immediately smile and go, yeah, no, he's doing that. He's doing that for the Neil and the Canadian that's there. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was that was really special. Yeah. And John, once again, the story that I got shit is stone because those little flourishes in the chorus 
are something real good. Something, something he's, he's digging out there. He's moving all over the place in the show. You know when Stone's in a good mood, he's shuffling around and he's he's doing the the duck walk and all of that. And this is this is vintage vintage Stone on this. He is every song. I mean, I I would have loved to have been. I know Randy, you were on you were on Mike's side. I would have loved to have been on Stone's side on the show just to watch him. It would have been just unbelievable he's on another like i said he's on another level on the show this is this is a moment where we get to talk about ed addressing everybody like i said about five seconds ago uh he he says we can feel you and this is the second to last night of the this leg going home after this and to watch the the world turn around and when i would see shows you would always think that it would be great to see the the band on their last night that's when they're gonna let it all hang out but to be in the same city as the band on their last show is special but being in the band you want to be there on the second to last show which i think in this situation, I think you can't go wrong because the next night's going to be state college. So honestly, pick pick either or, and you're going to have yourself a great time and a very memorable time. But uh, yeah, right from that, you get into even flow. And boy, all right. I talked about this a lot during when we did Nassau Coliseum. And uh, like even flow is on the NBA Jam hot streak at this time. It's absolutely insane and you could hear it from the jump mike comes out scorching on this scorching there's no other way to put it he sounds like he's about to obliterate the audience with this and it continues for the whole entire time like i I said this with nasa coliseum when you think of Jimi hendrix moments you think woodstock 69 you think van halen eddie van halen you think uh, the 15-minute eruption solo. You have those memories that are ingrained when you think of those legendary guitarists with those moments. I think, and this is, look, you can argue this all you want, but I think that this version of Even Flow, the Nassau Coliseum version of Even Flow, just Even Flow around 2003, is what you should attribute to Mike McCree. It is totally the era of Mike and even Flow. <laughs> just total and complete Mike. And you're, I, I, uh, I watched the video last night um, just to, to refresh. And I thought to myself, oh, it's even Flow. Maybe, maybe I'll go to the washroom and grab a beer and take a break. And, and then it just it drew me in. I couldn't leave the room. It was spectacular. I think it, for me, it came in a little, like he started off a little bluesy. Sounded like a little bit, like you said, like a little bit of the Hendrix version, but then halfway through, like the switch turns on and it gets epic. Like this is, this is a monster solo from Mike. You guys are 100% correct. This is, yeah, just it blew me away that the second half of that solo once he got going. 2003 is, Randy, you said that Mike, this was really Mike's coming out party, and I think it was. He was kind of done with with uh, substance abuse and he was open about his Crohn's disease by this point and he was starting to really feel like himself at these shows and and, and really if, if you watch like the early 90s shows where he really does get to shred it, it's very good but you're like okay he doesn't kind of play into the theatrics of it in this you're able to isolate him and he's able to be the show during this and that's what's so spectacular about it like going going back to the other guitarist that i said like his two probably his two biggest influences eddie van halen and Jimi hendrix 
Like, those are guys that have made their careers off the theatrics. This would be the time where Mike would absolutely shoot from great guitarist to part of part of the conversation of being one of the most legendary. Allegedly, according to the reports from the time, this actually wasn't supposed to happen after Evenflow. However, it does. Randy, please explain. So I told you how we got the seats. And when we got to the seats and after the the opening song with Eddie and we get a few beers uh, with uh, during the opening band and we come back to the seats and they're playing and then they quit and the guys behind us have a piece of Bristol board and they've got a pen, but they're kind of shy. It's a, like a Sharpie. And so we're all kind of talking and I'm not too shy. So I say, Hey, look, you know, I don't mind. I'll, look, give me that. And I write, very poorly on the on the Bristol board, red mosquito. And my brother looks at it. He looks at me and he's like, Rand, I can't read that. Like, what are you, an idiot? Like, I cannot read that. So I look at him, I flip it over and I write faithful across the Bristol board. And now all during even flow, we're standing there and I got this, I've pulled the sign up. Cause you know, we all know even flows going on for 10 minutes and there's going to be a, a big solo, like, and Ed's going to be focused on the crowd and focused on other things. Yeah. You're right. Right. And at some point he catches the sign. He catches my eye. He sees us, but of course with, with even flow, he's jumping around and bobbing and it kind of ends. And so you're not sure whether you're getting a nod or whether he's just having a good time up there. And then all of a sudden, uh, he kind of turns back to the band. And I look at Joel and Ryan. And and then all of a sudden, you hear Matt just go into that, that, that beautiful little symbol. And it's the, it's the start of Faithful. There's someone over there.
certainly a massive yell right after <laughs> the, the drum start and that is me holding my mind. Uh, in fact they've all figured it out so quickly that mike's guitar tech doesn't have his guitar in his hands like so on the bootleg they kind of start it and they and, and they stop just as Ed starts to improvise to cover the fact that they're <laughs> waiting for Mike's guitar, but the band then stops on him, so he stops, and he kind of turns around and looks at them like, guys, come on. And then you hear it start up again. Now Mike has his, his guitar, and, and yeah, we're into our dream scenario, guys. Wow, how many people, and, and look, how many signs have been at shows, especially at this time and the next night. You have to think about the next night, and the way that in the middle of one of the encores, Ed's just like, all right, guys, give it to me. What What do you want? What do you want to hear? And he gets the uh, the T-shirt thrown at him on stage, and it says, play Satan's Bed. And, but everybody was requesting something. And Faithful, while it not being one of the rare songs at the time, everybody was requesting things like Leash and Rats and... You know, the, the, the deep, Dirty deep cuts, and, right, yeah. stuff that was coming back at the time, and, and actually one of those songs will, will be next. And I got to think, too, he was he was probably impressed with your song choice. Like, if you had picked, if you had written Leash or if you had written Rats or something, you would have gotten ignored. Yeah, I, because I think so, you, too. Because you picked kind of a song that no one ever requests and kind of a cool one, one that they actually like, then, yeah, you've got... You got what you, you got what you asked for. I think you, the song choice had a lot to do with that. So well done. Thank you. I mean, listen. When you go back and look at the show, right? Yield ends up with the most songs in terms of yeah. album, uh, and and it's faithful that kind of tips it over. You know, for me, truth, truth. It took me back to 2000 when I was backpacking, and uh, I can remember walking through the cathedral in Venice with my headphones on and my <laughs> my CD Walkman, guys. Like we didn't have an iPod. Oh in yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I remember. remember listening to that song as I'm walking through a cathedral, just kind of having a moment. And, just kind of, kind of funny because it, it's yeah. It's so the song's always kind of been special to me, and um, and I guess in that moment of frustration, being like, I can't believe I screwed up one side of it, it was like, yeah, that's just right, and uh, it was pretty perfect. And then, and then they yes. pulled deep out a deep cut for a deep cut from ten. Yes, and we've been talking about the deep website this whole time, and this is obviously something that you can listen to on the deep website. But this was not one that they were utilizing a lot at this time. This was kind of the return year for deep. They brought it back in Oklahoma City on April third. 
So it was only just a month before this, and they played it four times in between. But before that, you got to go to San Diego 95. Those last two shows at San Diego where they played it with Jack, and, you know, it was not one that they brought back with Matt uh, uh, after, after 1998. And But right here, this has got to feel like you're getting something completely special that is never brought up in their catalog. I am uh, at my seventh Pearl Jam show at that point. It's a new one for me at that point. My my brother and I look at each other like we can't even believe it. He was the one that first handed me the Pearl Jam CD. Uh, you know, back in the in the day, the the pink cover. You know, you look at it and you you just see all the hands together, and you're not really sure what you're looking at. And then you put it in, and you're like, yeah, your life changes, right? So. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was a special one to get. Yeah, two thousand three is kind of. We never really talk about this, but two thousand three is kind of the return of ten, kind of to prominence in their in their live show. Because I think about nineteen ninety eight and two thousand, you would get you, know, you might get an even flow, you might get an live, you might get a porch, but you know Jeremy here and there, but you know Black, but that was pretty much it. You weren't they they weren't playing a lot of these songs, but two thousand three, a lot of that stuff came back. You know, and oceans, gardens. So yeah, this this is a this is a cool thing to get. Yep, absolutely. And, and Why Go was probably the last of the bunch coming in at the Mansfield show. So yeah, uh, definitely good to kind of mix it up and, and feeling special and kind of giving that fan service to those people that were hanging, still hanging in with them since, like you said, getting the record. Totally get it. Great moment. They go into Given a Fly, Spin a Black Circle. After that, Given a Fly is dedicated to a filmmaker in Buffalo named Vincent Gallo. It has that melodic, kind of unrushed build that I love from earlier versions. Spin a Black Circle, there's nothing unrushed about it. It rips right through. It has just this screech on the crooked arm uh, line. And yeah, there's a lot of power behind it. Three completely different songs that seem to just work pretty well together in the middle of the set here. This is Pearl Jam at their essence, right? They've given us, like, even flow, one of their all-time hits. They've played a song for somebody in the crowd. They pulled out a deep cut that you'd never hear, right? Given to Fly is the big hit, probably, off of Yield, right? It was the first radio single, and it's fantastic. And Spin the Black Circle is literally peeling our face. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, we're 12 songs into the set and I'm not sure we could be much happier. <laughs> right. Like everyone remembers state college and you're like, look at this first 12. You're like, you can't even, they don't do this anymore. You're giving this show lots of highlights kind of in little bouncing parts. You know, if you want to say even flow and then maybe something from that beginning section of hell, hell, save you corduroy kind of, kind of area. And now you're bouncing all the way to wish list. And this is another massive massive moment here uh ed's playing that long extended jam on the on the ebo and then sort of starts doing his uh little improv improvisation thing and and he does this constantly on on wish list it's nothing really new at first and he says i, I you wish you were me sometimes i wish you wish i was you sometimes i wish i was mike sometimes i wish i were boom and if that's not dr susie into you i don't i don't know what is but um then it sort of kind of extends a little bit more and becomes something completely beautiful. Yeah. 
is where in the show we we kind of flip out of the Pearl Jam show and into like almost the political uh, sermon if you will because if, if, you, if you start to look at the rest of the set list there's a lot like we go into green disease mm-hmm. right yep. and then the insignificance so it's war and it's and it's money um, when we get into the four covers at the end and we'll get there but it's all about the the Bush administration, and I think it's a, it's the beginning of the reaction to the night before, or two nights before in Uniondale, and yeah. the of riot act, right? Which is he's they're not happy with what's going on politically in their country. So I had I had teased last week. You know, we we had talked about um, a version of a song that we thought was was the best ever, and I had teased that there was going to be one this week as well. And and this is what I was talking about. I think I this is, I think this is the best wish list of all time. And you always talk about how you know two thousand two thousand three is is the the prime time to get this song. And you had a lot of times where they were tagging, you know, why can't I touch it by the Buzzcocks, or they were tagging with my own two hands, with Ben Harper. But this wish list, like it, it starts off kind of jangly. It's almost kind of REM ish, like kind of early REM at the beginning. Then you know you mentioned the 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 tag there it's you know it's vulnerable it's ed being emotional and i think it again like like you said randy morgan it's it's definitely influenced by the previous show uh it's it's funny it's it then it gets hopeful but then it it turns it gets intense at the end this is a roller coaster of a wish list and i this is this is one of my favorite ones to go back to i think i think this is the best performance of wish list they've ever done 
Yeah, I, um, I don't think that's an understatement there. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there have been versions of Wishlist where you can extend and Ed kind of does an improvisation. It sounds really good, but I think that this is the one where Ed just lets it all out and lets it become something completely different. You're the, the second to last night in a show is going to have moments like this, and that's a key ingredient of making a show so prominent and so memorable in, in this situation. This is it's all those different things coming together at yes, the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then like, again, you're, you're balancing and just bouncing from, from uh, moment to moment here. And, and you kind of, you let the crowd take that in and, and right as they're getting into green disease, Ed thanks the crowd, which is great. And, and it's kind of a, a way where he can say like, you guys heard me out and now we'll get into some, some rockers here, green disease going into insignificance. And, and Randy mentioned it. Uh, you, these are political songs. These are politically charged. I think you're right from the the political side here that that's exactly what he was trying to tap into and and whether or not it was fully improvised whether or not it was in his head uh i i think that they were definitely onto something when they were packaging the set list like this oh for sure and um like green disease is, is a really interesting song i find uh it doesn't get a lot of fanfare but to me it's got a real rearview mirror thing to it so uh, sitting here uh, after wish list and, and insignificance is always better live. It's just such a good, uh, it's such a rocker. And then leading into, <laughs> this is where Mike comes back with this black. Like this is a special black. It is. It's absolutely. It's, it's, it's slower, right? Um, it's not rushed. And then once Eddie turns it over to Mike, it. uh, I think the song takes, it takes on, it will becomes a new song, uh, almost at this point in its history, where Eddie kind of is handing it over to Mike. Because for 10 years, it's been his song, right? Yeah. I, I, in the I, next 10 years, it's, it's kind of Mike's song. It kind of turns into Mike's song, but not only that, but Mike sort of shares it with the audience as well, because this also has a great moment where they're singing the melody to it, which... Oh, I think it wasn't, you know, it wasn't ever a show at this point, but 2000, 2003, the binaural riot act years was really when this sort of started to develop and you would start to get this audience reaction where not necessarily, Ed would necessarily kind of tee him up on it. They would just do it off the natural reaction off of what Mike was doing and, and off of what the song was. And it's just... Guys, the only combination guys, of that only, is beautiful. Only people that are there are people that love the band, right? Right. And there's no, there's really no one new there at that point. You're, you're there from ten years ago. It's because, intimate. Yeah.
like you said, an emotional, fantastic black, that slow building into the song, more emotional uh, moments from, from Mike and his solo moment, and the crowd gets into it as well. It's a great back-to-back with Go. I thought that this was a very strong combo to end your main set. Black just sort of fires the crowd back up and kind of gets them reinvigorated, and then once you hit Go, you're kind of like, you kind of know that you can let it all out again, and then it's sort of it's leaving you wanting more for the rest of the the show, especially leading into the next encore. Yeah. Like now what? Right. Exactly. Right. You kicked our ass after, after those two songs, especially you kicked our ass. Like how, how can you top that? Well, and here's the thing. There is that moment where they walk off the stage, you know, they're coming back but you're kind of looking around the room. Everyone's freaking out as they walk off. And and you're like, I, like, I can't believe we're here right now. And standing where we were, um, it, it, you, you just know you're in the middle of something special. So so they come back out and then, and then you start to hear something that you, you've never heard before, right? Uh, at least I had never heard them play anything like this before something called free jazz free jazz right hold on to that thought yeah because we're gonna we're gonna take a second right here that is a teaser into about three minutes from now when we will get deep into free jazz uh but let's pause for station identification and just talk about what's going on at patreon uh you can donate to the show help us out and get some more exclusive content patreon.com slash live on four legs or follow us on the patreon app just look for live on four legs and randy is here because he is a patron and he has donated to the show and he's done set list drafts and um if you want to sell people on being a patron and what you can get from it what would you tell people that might make them want to come join oh guys um so first of all completely affordable you can start at a dollar a month you can move up from there um, the content is great. The, the, the bootleg of the month is fantastic because you never know what year you're going to get, what era of the band you might see, which drummer might be a part of that. For those of us that have been to multiple shows over the years, um, the catalog of all the podcasts, going back and listening to pods that of shows you've been to or shows you might have been interested in, um, you know, for me at one point, like I was supposed to be at Moline, man, but it, it just didn't happen for a whole bunch of different reasons. And then history happens and you're like, oh, I, I was supposed to be there. Uh, and then we get to hear, you know, your pod on it. So that's what it's about. Yeah, man. It's a lot of fun. So um, definitely uh, give it a shot if you haven't. Don't we have a uh, we have a new patron to thank this week, right? We actually have two. So let's do it. Let's thank Ben Dwyer for joining up. And all you got to do is join up on the bonus leg and you're in. You can listen to everything. It's fantastic. It's a dollar a month. Like, like Randy said, you can get the free bootleg of the month. It's a dollar a month to do that. Like that is a pretty cool little added bonus. And And it's always a bootleg that we're going to cover on the show the next month. Right. So you can kind of, if you're really nerdy, if you really want to dig into this, you can kind of prepare for it with that. And, you know, now we'll have to be a little bit more strategic because we won't have to give out 2003 and 2000 and 2013 bootlegs anymore because y'all have that. So uh, we're going to have to think of other things to give you guys like 
dig into 98 and 96 kind of things. So hopefully for next month, maybe that'll, that'll be a little idea right there. But uh, also another new patron, Chris Bigelow. So two brand new bonus like patrons. We thank you guys so much. And right. again, if you want to join in, there's the $1 tier, the $5 tier and the $10 tier. And uh, yeah, lots of great stuff, evolution episodes. And there's one that's going to be coming. I know every week we, we say it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But these things kind of take a little bit uh, of time to progress, but hard to imagine live evolution episode is coming on that. And uh, whenever it does, you guys will be the first to know a bridge, another bridge school. We're almost at the end of them. Another bridge school episode will be coming at the end of the month as well for 2014 two more left so get in on that there's no better time to get in on it than now and it's just a really good community and john if, if you want to plug the discord feel free go right ahead this would be the spot yeah absolutely if you're if you're into discord it's kind of like community-based social media if you never heard of it they have an app you can you know, do it on your desktop it's the same kind of thing um just send us an email ask us for the link it's uh it's kind of a cool community there's we have different things set up where you know we talk about bootlegs we talk about uh, the band, there's breaking Brit section for breaking news. There's all kinds of cool conversations going on there. And it's kind of a, you know, there's, you know, you never know when someone's going to pop up and be like, hey, we're always on there talking about stuff. So it's a good way to, to, to talk to us about the show or whatever you want. So yeah, it's just, it's just fun. You know, I'm, I'm always kind of on there checking things out. So yeah, it's uh if you're into discord, if you're, if you're new to it, it sign up and, uh, and come talk to us. Hit us up for a link. The link always expires. So if we ever post yep. a link somewhere, it's probably dead by now. So hit us up live and for legs podcast at gmail.com or any of our social media accounts. You can hit us up on any of those. We're pretty accessible. So now we get into this jazz, 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 experimental jazz. <laughs> So this is this is sort of inspired from Spinal Tap in a way, right? How Spinal in in Spinal Tap there's the the clip where they're like, "All right, we're getting into our jazz portion of our show," and they kind of are going all over the place and doing random wacky things. That that's kind of well, they changed they changed the band. Yeah, that was the, welcome to our new direction. Right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They completely changed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, they come out and, you know, people are expecting the, the butt rock, like, metal spinal tap, and they come out with, like, you know, headbands and, like, just kind of, like, jamming, and people hate it. But, however, this sounds like, I mean, this sounds kind of like a, uh, a Foxy Mop Handle Mama reprise here, in a way. This is uh, this is all over the place. Uh, don't don't talk bad about Foxy Mop Handle. Did Mama I say here. anything bad? Did I say anything bad? I said it's all I, over the I place. I wanted free it's... jazz to go on for seven minutes. I think if you really want to cover Spinal Tap, you gotta let it. You gotta let it breathe a little bit. You gotta expand on that thing. So, in the room, it. I feel like when it happened, to me anyway, it felt like it happened for longer than it actually did. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like in going back and watching. Right. 
Right. Um, it was only like a minute or so long. Right. And in the room when it was happening, because it was so like, what is going on? It felt like it, it went on for a couple of minutes. Um, but boys, they come out of that with, 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 with driven to tears, the police cover. And then you find out as they go into the solo of Driven to Tears that to me anyway, it felt like they played the free jazz. So oh, they, they totally did. Solo, right. They yeah. totally did. Yeah. Absolutely. So you can get that correct. And then you hear it and, and Driven to Tears is just such a beauty cover. Um, one I had never heard at, like standing there in the room. You're like, what it had only been on? played four times. That was the fourth time it had been played at that point. Right, and and I don't I don't think for me or Joel or my brother, like any of us, you know, know it, even twelve bars into it. But the song is so compelling that I, I just remember it being a highlight. You know, that it, it drew me in. Yeah, it, it does have. It, it's not one. It's not like a rockin' in the free world or Bob O'Reilly, where you can definitely like attach Pearl Jam to it. But I think 2003 is kind of. It's one of those songs that kind of sticks in within an era, and there are a lot of 2003 covers, especially one that's going to come way later in the set that I'll say is like the epitome of 2003. And this would kind of fit in. Like, give me some truth would be another one that in this year they would play it a ton and it's just it feels like every every era kind of has these songs and and even though they did actually play this in 92 at one point it's it's great that it kind of still stuck around and it still kind of made an an impact couple of times that that it's been heard uh 13 that they've played it all stats from livefootsteps.org that we use on the show livefootsteps.org has all the stats it's nothing new we're not sharing anything new we are just reciting what what davis put on his website so 13 times that they played it, and eight of those times were in this year so really outside of 2003 you're almost never going to get to hear it yeah, and this was actually, you know, speaking of stats, this was the last time to date that they played free jazz. So it's a, I think it's the first time we've covered it on the show. It's and the first it's the yeah. last time they played it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised that, you know, at one of those points, I'm, I'm sure maybe if it wasn't on, on this tour, but like way later, they played Salt Lake City, Utah. That would have been a, a good opportunity to bring that up or, or Jazz Fest in, in, in New Orleans. Yeah. If, if if there was a time for free jazz, it would probably be either of those two. But it, it, yes, free jazz is another thing that like just kind of sticks within 2003. Kind of attach it to these tours, uh, the few times that they do. But I, I, I'm I surprised think, they didn't break it out of Mansfield. The one note song they had, they they needed yeah. time for the one note song. So right, you know, right. Uh, choices that you got to make in these settings sometimes are really really yeah. difficult. 
And uh, but however, one of, one of the the choices that's usually not very difficult to put in the set is Better Man, and that's what you're kind of feeding off of right here from Driven to Tears. And I made this point earlier with Elderly Woman, where you can hear individual voices in this bootleg. I feel this on Better Man as well. It's got a really good intro where Ed just lets the entire crowd sing it and it feels like it doesn't feel like the crowd has one voice. It feels like you can hear an entire choir in this and it's 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 really a beautiful version. it over right um you were there so i no no it it, listening to the boot and being there the room takes it over i was going to say there's certain moments at at pearl jam shows um specifically for me i you know i I go back to a show in 96 at maple leaf gardens where the crowd took over during jeremy and and ed just backs away from the mic and this was kind of similar where he's just kind of like okay you got it, you know? Uh, yeah, really, really great version. Um, and, and leading into, uh, I think, my highlight of the night. You know, other than obviously the sign moment, but the, the best song that comes after that, for me, is is probably Crazy Mary. With, with Better Man 2, like, there's no save it for later here. I kind of actually like it when they just kind of jam on the end of it and just kind of play around with it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very cool. You would expect... You know, by 2003, you're getting a lot of save it for later, but you don't get it here. That's old. It makes it state different and special. They're saving it for the next night. If anybody's traveling to go to State College for the next night, that's a very popular version of Better Man. You don't just get saved for later. You get basically the whole song. The, the tag turns into, you know, the verses and the chorus and everything that that's in that song. It, it's the whole thing. So... Yeah, leave it off this night, and you kind of, for those people that are traveling, that are going from show to show, you can get something a little different. It sounds pretty good. Look, Crazy Mary, you want to bring that up, and it, this is like, I don't know if you would even call it really a duel. It's just Boom getting his massive section, and it goes on for about like four minutes where Boom is just completely cranking it out there. And then Mike comes in. Does his Jimmy Page style hammer ons going like tip for tat with Boom here, and everybody kind of shares the moment instead of you know Mike kind of going over to him and 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 doing the dual thing. I, like they were they were starting to do that at the time, but 
I think this one kind of lets both members of the band really kind of flourish and get their their moments. Yeah, man. Uh, it's it's very much a boom thing for a while until he kind of hands it to Mike. And you're right, it's not as much a duel. You know, th- this is a song that you know took them a while to to figure it out. This is the first tour they're playing with with that. With with boom, yeah, they, yeah, they played it. He's an whole element to it, right? Right. They played it a bunch on the 2000 tour without boom, which is it just it's so interesting to listen to those versions because you're kind of expecting, all right, this is the moment where you sort of get that B3 and, and you just don't. It kind of it, it's a jam, but it's not the expected jam that you get here. Well, and that's it. It's um, it yeah, it marks a change in the band, right, in the sound of the band. Of course. Absolutely, yeah. and, and this song uh, more probably more than any song really but, um, from before he was in the band uh, because this becomes such a boom song and as you say the duel uh, later on uh, yeah this was really special I mean for me I always felt like this was a a bit of a gem to get at a show to to even hear if it would come on the radio right because it was never on an album it was it was part of that uh sweet relief package literally you know you're at a pearl jam show you're standing there i feel like 10 or 20 feet from mike and and yeah that's it doesn't get much better than that (laughs) that's how it feels yeah it's a it's a cool moment when he kind of walks over to to boom's the, the keyboard stand and kind of plays along with him and then they they kind of do like the point at each other thing and, and like no you're the man no you're the man yes. but Ed and Stone like you see Stone just just vibing on this on this riff here he's it sounds so good with the acoustic guitar Ed sounds again so vulnerable and I think it goes back to just that that previous show just being kind of an open wound for them and them just kind of healing at the show a little bit and just still kind of raw and and emotional and he Ed sounds amazing on the verses on this. Like he's, it's delicate. Like the song for a minute, it almost felt like it might blow away in the wind. Like this mm-hmm. song is, it's held together with just the very delicate touch and the verses and the choruses before that solo. It's it, the solo is the thing that that that's going to be the highlight, right? That's going to be the lead. But don't sleep on this on this verses and the chorus, the early part of the song, because it's very very good. Yeah, that's that's something I don't think we we discuss enough. The the from early 2003 that is the way that ed kind of approaches the song and then later when backspacer and lightning bolt tours kind of kick in he's doing that dream i was flying ah right. the tree. he right. doesn't do that in these versions it's way more subdued and you're right it brings a different emotional aspect to it i, I like both versions i like when he emphasizes the lyrics on uh, the later versions but Something like this is is fantastic. It's yeah, another another nine minute song here. Absolutely. Yeah, right. How many how many more there gonna be? Like there, it's almost like there are a diamond dozen at this show. But that's that's quite all right because uh, there's a lot of time and they make time for these songs. And to finish out the first encore, do the evolution into a live. I'm the first man to get my panties in a bunch. Let's shave the bush. Great vocals on Evolution. Ed just sounds like he's having the time of his life. And then you get to Alive. I think this is another fantastic Mike moment from Alive. And, uh, you know, 
every everybody gets their moments at this show. That that's everybody kind of shares the spotlight a little bit. We got a ton from Stone. There are some great Jeff and, and Matt moments that are mixed in within this show too. But uh, Alive was absolutely that that was the euphoric Mike moment of this. So. <clears throat> 2003, I mean, this, we got to remember, this band's been around for 30 years, right? And this is kind of, we're nearing the end of what, what's now the first half of the band. So just to, to tip off of the end of that Crazy Mary chat, and then and then into how animal he is on Do the Evolution, uh, this is kind of the end of the great Ed vocals, right? 06 might be maybe the very, you know? And then thing, he starts to mature a little bit after that. Uh, at this time, man, I mean, this guy could sing for three or four hours and he's never flat, he's never sharp. He's, you know, he's animal when he wants to be and he cuts your heart out when he wants to. So, yeah, this is, uh, this is them giving us a couple of, couple of crowd pleasers um, off, of that, off of that beautiful Crazy Mary. And, and Mike just slices a lot apart. Um, it's a beautiful version. All right, encore two. A toast to Buffalo, who knew it could be so beautiful? We knew you made the best mozzarella in the world, but didn't know you... Well, never mind. I don't, I don't know what he was going to go into there, but he kind of backtracks a little bit. Mentions that there's a fine if you go over the curfew. It could be a lot of money, but Mike McCready is going to be the one that pays the fine tonight. If they're going to break the curfew, then, all right, keep going. Keep giving us more. Keep giving us more. And uh, there are what, like still seven or eight songs left in the set. There's a lot to go with it being an encore too. So let's kind of introduce Soon Forget here because Ed introduces his ukulele as Luke the Uke. And everybody in the crowd is chanting, Luke, Luke. And I mentioned before, he kind of brings up, are you guys saying Luke or are you booing? Because there's been a lot of booing lately. So that right there, I think, is a direct connection to what was going on in Nassau the night before. Yeah, and he talks about, oh, it's it's you mad because it's black and white, not red, white, and blue? Uh, right, 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 right. Yep. So it was that, that was an interesting-looking ukulele, by the way. I, I don't think he's used that too often. Yeah, it's like an electric yeah. ukulele. Yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like a Guitar Hero guitar. <laughs> yeah. And he and well yeah and he makes the point then very quickly to be like I love the red white and blue right you know? right uh, so that's the direct line after that where he, he makes the comment about the uke and mm-hmm. then um, and then interestingly like obviously I don't know it in the moment but now reflecting back and looking at it it's it, you know it's it's not the bush mask that is out like it is it is not right. that's right it's Bill Gates. I'm wondering if people were were savvy enough to 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 realize that and think, oh, is that going to be? Is he going to do another Bush stint here? And and nope, he he has other props on hand. It's it's Bill Gates, and he says, "This is my friend Bill. He's kind of a skinny guy. Note the size of his penis." And then kind of just goes right into the song that's pretty much embodies who Bill Gates was at the time, and you know, kind of the greed and and uh, a person that just sort of only cared about money and only cared about his finances and it's a nice little version of soon forget totally and um 
the 2000 tour when I got to see them a couple times in Europe I got to see them sing it to Bush and now to mm -hmm. see him you know sing it to to Bill Gates to me felt it I was like what oh okay and uh and then later on you know I don't know six weeks later I saw them in Toronto and out came the Bush leaguer outfit <laughs> the pouring of the wine and the mask and that whole the cigarette hanging out of it and now how was that received in Toronto Listen, man. Nobody in Toronto liked Bush, so we okay. all <laughs> we all ate it up. Because, well, you ask anyone in the states, they would say, "Oh, those liberal Canadians," but we were no fans of Bush. I was kind of hoping that they would have either like brought this back or played the clip at Global Citizen because that was kind of sponsored by you know Bill Gates was a big part of that. I wonder if he had, uh, if he was familiar with this and maybe would have been interesting to see them uh, bring this back a little bit, a little. You know, I don't. Maybe 2003 Ed would have been more into that than, than 2021 Ed, but that, that was kind of an interesting uh, juxtaposition there. Yeah, and uh, look, that's happened before. Where whether it's you know now that they do they work with Ticketmaster now instead of work against them right. or uh, you know they, Randy, Randy, could yes. you mark one down for John there, please? Just on the list. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know we were keeping one. Oh, that was pretty good, Johnny. That was good. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Like, Soon Forget is totally political. And then Smile continues, like, the, the good times. Smile actually is played because the, the night before at, at Nassau, it was on the set list in between Bush Leaguer and Know Your Rights and, and some of those others. They actually only played three songs to end the set. Smile was one of the songs that they were supposed to play, but they stopped after rocking in the free world because they said, all right, we're, we're done. We're just pissed off. They're, if they're going to boo us all night, then we're not going to give them the fan service that they deserve. But I think if I remember correctly, Smile was actually supposed to be a request from somebody from that night. So they were making good on a request for, for, for this show. So that's why they brought it up. But uh, you get Stone Stone on bass and, and Jeff on, on guitar, and the harmonica sounds fantastic. And it, it, it's like kind of a methodical pace to smile. It's not, it do, it's not bouncy. It, it's a little bit more kind of dingy in your face a little bit. And I, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't think Jeff cool. was feeling it. Maybe, again, some, some hangover from the, from the previous show, maybe. Right, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times you get you get Jeff being really energetic and he's playing around with the solo and he's playing it up, but he was just kind of like staring down at the guitar, just like standing still, like just playing it. And and it ended, and you know, sometimes they kind of like have fun with it at the end and this one just kind of ended. And they weren't playing it a lot at the time. This is only yeah. the second of four times that they would play it in all of 2003, which is a very long tour. So it just kind of got forgot about. At that point, out of the seven, 77 times that they played it, it had only been played 33. So not a lot. And maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe Jeff wasn't wasn't vibing with it at the time. Who knows? But I, like interesting and different version here. And you brought it up before. Now we're going to get into our big cover section. You're going to get into Fortunate Son, which is, is building off of what you were talking about before, the political stuff. Sonic Reducer is just crushing one of their most electric covers that they have. And we'll get into People Have the Power in just a second. But those two, I kind of brought it up before with uh, Driven to Tears, how that was the 2003 cover. I, I feel like the ultimate 
2003 cover is Fortunate Son. That's the one when you think of the era, they were doing this a lot, kind of, you know, sometimes even in the Rockin' in the Free World spot. It just became one of those songs. And, you know, maybe it's just me, but I, I, I don't really, I don't know. I, I, like, I don't, I don't connect Pearl Jam with this song. I just don't. I, it, like, I get why they played it, and it, it made sense, and it was important to play it, but it doesn't have the same connection that, like, Rockin' in the Free World or Bob O'Reilly has. Uh, and maybe it's just because, like, you don't think of Credence when you think of Pearl Jam. They're not really directly connected in any way, and I get that Fortunate Son is kind of something completely different than that. It, it, it's sort of a song for everybody, but it just, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like they can make it theirs like they can, can with other covers. I think Fortunate Son is the socially acceptable Bush leader, right? Like, that's why they're covering. Maybe. It's It's kind of got the same message. Without the consequences. Yeah. Right, yeah, sure. So, the, and and I got to be honest, in the audience, I, because I hadn't, you know, I wasn't going show to show and tour, you know, so I didn't realize that they were playing this one at the time. It's a song everybody knows, you connect with, and you, for me standing there, like, I totally understand why they're playing it. Because of course they're on this, they're on the political train. Mm-hmm. It's important to play. You're right. Totally. And Sonic Reducer is is uh, it's kind of like spinning the black circle. It's in their face melter, right? right? Like you're letting loose, and it feels like whenever they play that song, they're having a great time. You know what I'm gonna say? Check out my man Stone on that solo. Yeah. Oh yeah, he just oh, ripped yeah. it apart, right? Um, yeah, yeah they, it feels like on nights when they play Sonic Reducer, they're literally looking at each other playing, laughing and smiling and like, almost can you believe that we're here? Right. Yeah, you do. That, that's a really good point. I, I've seen Sonic Reducer probably like four or five times. And every time you hear it, even sometimes beforehand, like Ed will introduce the song and say, Sonic Reducer! Something, something along those lines and get really excited about it, move around the stage. And it's just one... Oh man, it, it's just like it's it's one of the most legendary punk rock songs of all time, and they turn it and they do such a good job of keeping sort of the identity of it. Like they do a good job of of making it Pearl Jam, but keeping in with the actual vibe of of, of what this what the song is. They, they even play it a lot faster than the Dead Boys version too. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, th- I think you made a really good point, kind of comparing it to Spin the Black Circle there, how both of them are just really just face melters that, that just energize and completely give a jolt of energy to the crowd. And, and especially in this point where you kind of don't know when you're really ending the set here, and this is sort of where maybe something like Porch would be, but you're not going to get that. This is kind of like almost like your, your closer for the second encore and then people have the power is kind of just in between and and really its own entity in a way i don't know how else to put that but it's just so different than everything else that was going on at, at this at this uh in this little section you're right sonic reducer feels like the end but instead of the band walking off the stage ed goes over and pulls someone out of the crowd and <laughs> and you don't so I'm on Mike's side and he pulls her out of Stone's side. So, we, you know, it wasn't like she was next to us or 
Right. And then all of a sudden she's on stage. They have a little conversation and, and you come to understand that he has her up there because she's part of the people who have the power, but he also needs someone to hold the lyrics for him, which is spectacular. And by about half or two thirds of the way through the song, he's like, no, no, I got it. And they kind of just start rocking out together. Yes. Uh, and a couple nights before this, when they were in Albany, this is such a weird, the weird, the, it's weirdly scheduled because they go from Albany down to Long Island, then back up to Buffalo and then down to Penn State. It's kind of all over the place. But when they played Albany, they played this and did the same thing. They invited a girl on stage and she got, uh, they called her, you know, we need a lyric stand. And uh, she, she held up the lyrics for Ed and, and the same thing happened. And like, I, I, I usually kind of come across this one more than I do the Albany one. I think this one's kind of circulated on YouTube a little more. So it, it's just, it's just, it is such a fun moment to see Ed connect with her and her name is Donna they're dancing together she gets to sing with him and how many times you can almost count on two hands how many times fans have been brought on stage to be part of the show like this it's very rare just say that this is it's a song that we don't know we don't really know it right and yet halfway through it with her on the stage and eddie and and the vibe of the song easy to it's easy to we're all having our porch moment right of the power no it was it was uh it was yeah man i thought it really brought everyone together it was a really special moment and you're almost like Nana. My hats off to you because in rewatching it, she handles everything so well about the, you know, the moment, right? I mean, how many people wouldn't handle it well? Lots. Uh, yeah, just being a nervous wreck, and right. I, I think a lot of that has to do with just how Ed just can make people feel comfortable in situations like that. You have to believe it for sure. Yeah, you, you could tell that she was she was nervous at the start, but she definitely gets warmed up. And I was really hoping that she was gonna break out and, and sing. And as you could tell Ed kind of like he's he's playing guitar, so he can't like motion to her. But he's he's kind of like he's like come sing like at the end, like okay, let's 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 do it together. Come on! And she finally kicks in and starts singing. That's that's a great moment. And they do kind of an awkward dance at the end. It almost feels like he's gonna like drop her or something. Oh yeah. and end up pulling off like a like a la la land kind of like you know 
dance move, which is kind of funny. But right. yeah, her head almost nearly hits the stage. When yeah. Her, yeah, he kind of dips her at the end. It's kind of <laughs> like a classic dance move. But yeah, it's it's really funny and a really great moment. And yeah, I was, I was glad that she and they do kind of the classic lean too, right? Yep, like, they do. The and tries to do yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's, uh, that's very cool. Yeah, this this was fun. Yeah, I, I think when you go back and you look back at Buffalo and people talk about this, I think this is definitely one of the moments that is just immediately in your head. You're like, well, the, the girl got to sing on stage with them. She got the whole lyric sheet up. Like, how many how many times are you going to get that at a show? Like, the, the two that happened, that's how they happened. And they, ne- they would never play the song again out of everything else. And right. a, another right. instance where... It's another reaction to what happened at Nassau Coliseum. The way that they were able, they that show divided the crowd. This one, Randy said it. They were able to bring everybody together in that building, and it's interesting that the same idea could work in both ways. Like you wouldn't think that that would be possible, but somehow they made it happen. And. yeah, uh, fantastic and very memorable moment from this show. You definitely can't think of this show and not think of that. So you think, like, this is the time, like, okay, like, maybe you get one more and that's it, but they're going to actually leave the stage, have a little powwow backstage. What are we doing? How much longer are we going here? And that's when Ed comes back out and says, we had a Democratic vote back there. The verdict was, it's Friday night. What the fuck? Let's let's do two more. And the lights go on, the, the the house lights are on, you get Bob O'Reilly, and it's extremely fired up. You see Ed running around the stage with his tambourines, I believe he's hitting them so hard that he, he shatters one. There's One of them has a big hole in it, so it, it feels like this party aspect is, is really developing. And going back to what we were saying before about how 2003, they were really coming into their own, they weren't, there weren't big party moments in 2000 this this kind of they would play the ending songs and it would feel good and it would be a great end to the night but it wouldn't they wouldn't bring house lights up like this it wouldn't be big memorable moments to end your night and and i think in 2003 that's that is one of the turning points that made them sort of become the legacy act in a way the people have the power moment and that ending um, and how much we had gone through to then get to, oh my God, they're coming back out. And and it's Baba. <laughs> the, mo- you know, the moment Baba starts and you're, if, you're, if you've ever been in that situation where you're, you're close enough to feel the stage, um, yeah, you want a tambourine, right? You're like, oh my God. Of course. Right, you're like, oh my God, I, I, I am close enough, this could happen. And, and as you say, within two strikes, one of them is just shredded in half. Um, and, and Mike is just shredding it. I, this is something I wanted to mention uh, to those that don't, maybe don't realize. Like, Mike is playing the keyboard part on his guitar. On that yeah. Part, right? right? So, and, and go, go put on uh, Who's Next and play the Who track and listen to that keyboard. And then go listen to the Pearl Jam track. You're just like it's it's kind of mind-boggling. So epic moment, and and yeah, you're right. You feel like maybe that's all you're gonna get. And then and then Ed's kind of yelling across the stage at Mike, going, "Yeah, man, like go, play it, like come on, keep going," you know. And here comes Yellow Lead back. 
You know, it's just uh, that's the way you want your program show to end. But going back, going back to Bob O'Reilly, we got to talk about this because according to Five Horizons, there's a lot of people thought that the the show was over after people have the power. A lot of people, it sounded like we're we're kind of headed for the exits, but according to them when this starts a lot of the crowd that was over the top just rushes down to the floor and the security people just gave up and they were like okay whatever so was do you remember like a big rush down on the floor during this there's a spill that happens from the grandstand into the floor yeah because as i said like when people have the power end you felt like it was the end of the show because it was two encores in and just yeah the way that song was, yeah, you felt like you were getting a bonus here. This is yeah. excellent. It's it's this is one of the most energetic Bob O'Reilly's I've I've ever heard. This is fantastic, and I I you know I, I mentioned it all show. I gotta give give Stone some credit. He's doing that Pete Townsend bounce where he, he kicks his legs. That's kind of the scissor kick in the legs, like he's jumping up and doing that. And then Jeff starts doing it. They're having fun together. You mentioned the the tambourine that gets busted. I think Mike ends up wearing it as a crown for a second. <laughs> but yeah, that, and just an epic ending to this. Like this is this is one of the best Bob O'Reilly's uh, I've heard in a long, long time. It's very good. 2003 versions really. I think that again, that's where the party really begins, and that's the aspect of the show where it, it turns into the, the the big goodbye, the big grand finale. It becomes more theatric. theatrics with with going from Baba into Ledbetter and you really get a good Mike isolation moment in Ledbetter where they just kind of they let him go off at the end and it's like two minutes of Mike just doing his thing and uh, what a tremendous way to end a rock show it just sounds big this yellow Ledbetter sounded big it really did absolutely that's the best way that you can put it it doesn't really go off into you know a star standard banner or some like you kind of thought he would Right. There's like, where is he going to go? What is, but he kind of keeps it at Yellow Lead better and it just keeps ripping. It's wonderful. Wonderful version.
through the whole entire set. Now we got to do the hard part, and that is pick three of our favorite moments from this show. Um, you know what? Since I'm talking, I I will go first. We'll do me, then John, then then Randy here, and we'll give Randy the highlight at at the end. Uh, I'm gonna say my top three. I'm gonna have to go with Even Flow because I love Even Flow from this era. This is the, the the hot streak. Like I was saying, Mike was on another level during this time period in Even Flow. If you want to show kids who Mike McCready is and who he was as a guitar player, uh, like Even Flows from 2003 in this little time period, that's what you'll want to show your kids. Uh, I will also, I'm, I'm going to have to say it might be a little chalk, but I'm going to have to say people have the power. Number two, just, it just had so much love to it. Like so much energy and, and it, it gave as much as it took in and uh, like the fan on stage and Nana celebrating with, with them and, and getting to, to have that visual. Cause not every 2003 show has video not like Mansfield some Mansfield doesn't even have video from it so knowing that we have video for this and being able to visually see that moment instead of just hearing it on the bootleg I I think that's such a a huge factor for this song uh being so vital and and being so important for them uh and the number one for me is Wishlist uh just uh, the vulnerability with it and being able to uh express sort of what was on his mind from the previous night playing at Nassau Coliseum and how kind of it became a controversial thing. He was turning a negative into a positive and, you know, finding ways to, you know, not divide people, bring everybody together. That would be the way to do it. So uh, these three picks might be chalk, but uh, they are the best moments from this show for me. Yeah, this is tough because, you know, and I, the top five is is an easy yeah, th- that's, yeah that's right. That's just what I was gonna say. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of the show. This is a perfect opening to a show. Lobo, Captain Brain, J, Hail, Hail, Save You, Corduroy. Like, not a damn thing wrong with it. Um, for me, yeah, that that section, Lobo, Captain, especially probably the standout there, being that it was the first show coming off of of Uniondale and everything that was going on there. That's my number three. Uh, my number two is going to be Crazy Mary, just fantastic. I mentioned you know the verses and the the chord the in, the early part of the song just as much as the as a solo where where Boom and Mike take over. And then I'm, I'm with you. My number one's Wishlist. I think this is like I said, this is the best version of Wishlist that they've ever played. Randy, you were there. You're the one that had these moments. You actually lived these. So how do you? I mean, I ob- there's an obvious number one here. But where else do you land here? Well, so three. Well, okay. I'm going top five here because I'm only on this show once. <laughs> and, and, and number five would just was just being there with my bro and Joel. I got a you know one last shout out to them because it was special. Um, <laughs> like number four is a crossover with you, Johnny. Like Crazy Mary was just so incredible um three my top three being driven to tears with that little free jazz piece and the tease of the solo and it was so surprising it caught me off guard and and it was just such a great version um number three for me number two uh you know what i i'm going black 
that's just a song that everybody loves. And it's so great in almost every show, but like, this was the best black I ever saw, you know? It was just a real a beauty. And of course, like, to have a moment where you hold a sign and, and your band looks over and, you know, says, yeah, man, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Faithful is absolutely number one. I, I wouldn't have expected anything different. Yeah. Like, that's the reason why you picked this show for us to do. And, and that's the reason why you're here. So I, I probably have like a, like a top three Pearl Jam moments live and Faithful for me would be number one for sure. Um, number two actually happened at that show 10 years later. Um, with I was there with Melissa and and we were behind the stage um, and we caught, well, she caught Matt's drumstick. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, so to have like in the same building, your song chosen and then 10 years later, you know, merely feet almost just behind the stage instead of just in front of it. Uh, to get a drumstick, uh, very like yeah, Buffalo's the greatest. Let's put a, a final bookend on this, and and rate this show. I'm gonna go almost go the distance with this. I'm gonna give it a nine and a half. I think it's extremely important. I think it's from an extremely important era, and it's just a an incredible listen from front to back. You have so many great moments from early in the show, from the middle of the show, at the end of the show. There all spliced in, in in different spots you have ones that are a little bit rarer than usual with smile deep faithful you weren't getting those all the time at shows in, in 2003 and it epitomizes 2003 and the way that the band connected with the crowd it is very very important and if it gets overlooked it shouldn't so nine and a half for me I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, you can you can say nine point seven five, nine point nine, but I'm I'm gonna stick with nine point five as well. I think this is a top one hundred show, and so many great moments up and down. It's 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 right there, you know, behind that that iconic group of of shows that that get the tens. But yeah, that this one this one really impressed me. A lot of a lot of great things because I didn't expect it to be that high when I when I started watching it. But yeah, very very good. Guys, are you guys Stand By Me fans? That old movie? Sure. Yeah. You guys know what a goocher is? It's when everybody flips coins and they get the same thing that comes up. Hmm. Nine and a half across the board, boys. All right. Yeah. We've Absolutely. done it. That is uh, that is almost a clean sweep, but <laughs> we've done it before where we've had a three straight ten. But It's a nine and a half right away. and Because uh, I have, I feel like I've, you know, there's a show or a show, one show better. I think I was at so that was 2011 in Toronto with Neil. Oh, uh, at some point we're going to be talking about that one. So. That one was like, yeah. but yeah, no, this was uh, so special for me in my life, and then to get the opportunity to come on here with you guys and talk about it. Hey, you were great, man. You told yeah, you're great good, stories. You're Thanks. a good storyteller, and and I I knew it I, from when you were obviously the the way that you tell stories on Twitter, but uh, from how you told stories in the set list draft too. I knew that this was going to be a good show. I knew this was going to be important. So you did a great job. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for your continued friendship, your continued patronage. And uh, uh, man, hope to see you soon. Hope to, we get this lockdown lifted and, and you can come into the States or we can come up there and, and just get the shows. That's what this is all about right now. You know? 
I don't even want to tell you how many different shows I have tickets to. So yeah, <laughs> we're ready to go when it happens and uh, can't wait to see you and all the others uh, at Cannons 12 on Twitter and uh, at live on four legs pod. Thank you guys. Thanks Randy. Thank you. All right. So, you know, this kind of came at a, at a, at a interesting time that next week we're going to do a binaural era show because this show came out a couple of days after the anniversary of binaural. So we could have flip flopped and kind of done the celebration of the 2000 tour here, but we're actually going to end up doing it next week. And we're going to, we're going to go to, to, to Randy's home country and we're going to do Canada. We're going to do Montreal from 2000. There are a lot of good things from that show, a lot of great performances and uh, we don't get to do a lot of Canadian shows. And that's, that's why, uh, especially I don't think we've ever done anything in Quebec or Montreal. So uh, looking forward, forward to that one and that'll be in for you next week and i just want to uh a couple things i want to mention before we go one is that i did it i bought tickets to see here now so if you're going to see here now if you happen to be going to it um let's meet up and let's do stuff i don't think we'll do like we we had all these plans and in st louis nashville to do like podcast related things it's so much different when you're at a festival and i think for this being the first one back i just want to focus on just enjoying the music and not doing like podcast related things but come come find us we'll hang out we'll grab a drink and and all that and the one other thing that i just want to mention is just a big thank you to the guys at black circle a big thank you to Dwayne reader uh who who, uh, works for the Roberto Clemente Museum. Uh, we got to do a great dedication to Frank last week, and uh, and we we dedicated a song on on Black Black Circle's live stream. And if you listen last week, uh, you know it was obviously a very emotional moment. We lost a, a friend of ours, and uh, we're still thinking about him. And uh, we're we still want to find ways to honor him. And I just want to send our, our thanks to and uh, Damian Ripple as well. Uh, make sure you know your name is out there because uh, it's it's important. He was he was the one that helped us connect uh, to 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 Dwayne and 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 uh, got a fantastic tribute from from Dwayne. And and if you haven't watched that, uh, the whole thing is on our YouTube. So just search Live and Four Legs on on YouTube and head to our channel. Subscribe. Why not? Since you're there and uh and watch the the tribute to frank because it's it's very special it was very moving so thank you guys for everybody involved that that helped listen, man, I, I listened to the pod last week and that yeah. touched me too and uh, i'm sorry for uh, your loss i didn't know frank but uh that was something and so uh here's to frank right yeah absolutely Definitely. absolutely so yep we're we miss him and uh you know anything that we could do to honor him? Uh, you know we're we're still thinking about him and his family. So just wanted to bring that up. All right, uh, that's all we got. Stick with us for next week for Montreal 2000. Here we go. End the show. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you all ways. Subscribe. It's very important that you subscribe to us. If you're not, subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you do listen to us. Subscribe. And that way, you get to find out when our shows come out. It's usually Wednesday, but we might throw in little nods here and there. We might throw in something on a Tuesday. We might throw in something on a Thursday, just because 
just because we feel like it. So you just never know, especially with the the deep announcement that happened a couple weeks ago and, and the Global Citizens VAC special, uh, sometimes those things happen. So make sure you follow us. And uh, if you want, rate us five stars, give us a comment on Apple Apple's podcast, and uh, that'll help us out, help out our visibility. But really, we thank you for listening in. We thank Randy for sharing his stories tonight. And uh, we'll see you next week from Montreal. Until then... Thank you. Jazz! Experimental jazz! Experimental jazz! 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 Softer music, I found, in doing research and listening, music like jazz, it's music based on fear. Yeah. The fear, what, what are they so scared of? You can't hear it. What are you playing so softly for? Yeah. You know, it's very... Well, very gentle. I've said say, this before. You know, look. Man yeah. up, as they say in America. Man yeah. up. Man up, yeah. But, you know, the fact is that jazz is, is mistakes. You're playing a song, but you do wrong. it wrong. You're playing it wrong. You're playing it wrong. Yeah. And then it's like everyone goes, and it's like, oh, great, oh, yeah. art form, art form. Yeah. You played it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't get the melody right. It's, yeah. a, lot of, it's a lot of wrong notes, especially to people that play jazz saxophone. Oh, for God, they're, they're the just, worst. I don't know what you're doing, it's not even... And they teach that in schools. They teach you can get a degree and have it play it wrong. Yeah. That's, what, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So we've taken the other through tack. The crazy yeah, talk. we've taken the other yeah. tack. And basically, let's play in the key yeah. the notes play the that notes associate that we with planned. a given key, yeah. C, what, Now, whatever. which is not to say that we do not improvise. He will take off. Oh. He will improvise like crazy. Yeah. But it's all intentional. Jazz is an accident. Waiting to happen. Yes. Waiting to have happened because Wait, it's over. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're waiting. Glad to have happened. That's right.